Hello and welcome to the Agony Cast, the show where we improve culture through friendly competition. And I am the author of the compromise second draft of the Port Huron Statement, Jeremy. I'm Nathaniel, a rhythmic gymnastic hopeful in ball. I am Jackie, editor-in-chief of Doggy Style Magazine, which is a, uh, well, I'm sure all listeners know about it. It's basically the vogue of dog fashion. So you can kind of think of me as the Anna Wintour of the dog fashion world. Uh, I believe we all already do. Yes. Good, good. Well, uh, so uh, as longtime listeners will notice, we've got a new guest today. Uh, Jackie, we're uh, extra pleased to have you uh, with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Of course, particularly to help address our woeful uh, diversity uh, quotient, at least in a a small way here. Sure, sure. Uh, And not a moment too soon, if you ask me. I can't go another week with Nathaniel trying to wallpaper over the issue by affecting a series of insulting accents. (laughs) Oh, I do declare, there's a lady on the show. That's one example. Um, you know, last week, I tried to introduce him, and he said, Hello, Gamda. Hello, Gamda. Who's this Nathaniel? Uh, who's Nathaniel? This is this is Gerald, isn't it? Yikes. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, and this is Gerald. <laughs> So, again, that's Nathaniel attempting to address our diversity quotient by pretending to be a Cockney man. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, so you know how we start this train wreck. Uh, It's with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Wherein each contestant will have two uninterrupted minutes or semi-uninterrupted minutes. Uh, to re- respond to a predetermined prompt. Uh, it looks like this episode, that prompt was, what should the next season of the podcast serial cover? Uh, and it looks like I came up first in Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, so I will start us off. <laughs> okay, so I enjoy both seasons of serial. I listened to both. Um, the thing about them now is that it's painted itself into a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first season's deep dive into the Saeed case was really something novel because it was a concentrated spotlight on the kind of manageable case that you can really put your arms around, you know? And for me, it was interesting because it suggested that every case, no matter how seemingly pat or regular, uh, is a tangle of half-formed threads. So it revealed that all positions rest on a network of support that isn't insubstantial, but is certainly contingent. Um, however, the second season's shift to the Bo Bergdahl case, did you guys listen to that one? Impartially. Yeah, well, and see, that's that's a common trend. Mm-hmm. And that really changed the scope and scale of what they were doing, right? Because we know global conflict is subject to the fog of war, right? I mean, that's that's the phrase, in fact. So, I mean, to me, the progress is going in the wrong direction, right? Because... We, we know we can't find the edges of a tale that involves geopolitical machinations, right? Um, but Serial, particularly that first season, was interesting because it showed that we can't find them even in what are unfortunately common crimes. So, you know, now what, it, what does it do? The road that Serial might have taken is being traversed by Starly Kind's mystery show. Have you guys heard that one? Mm-mm. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do it. 
It's really the anti-serial, because each episode investigates a single quotidian mystery. A belt buckle's uncertain provenance, what underpins illustrated sweat hog shenanigans, Donnie Darko's true height, um, and each one finds a coherent answer by the end of it. Uh, but now after Bergdahl, it would seem odd for Serial to zoom back down to this kind of small individual scale, right? I mean, honestly, where does the third season actually go? The Kennedy assassination? 9-11? Bigfoot? Um, hence, you know, this is the corner paint. They can't really zoom up and they can't really go back down. So my reply is that our question here is wrong. Rather than focus on subject matter, big surprise, um, Serial should reinvigorate its real crux, which is method. It wasn't Adnan Saeed who made the first season. It was the tumble down the rabbit hole that was somehow familiar and alien at the same time. So who among us here hasn't done a quick search for something online and woken up hours later eight levels deep into Wikipedia? Right? See, that's what the first uh, season of Serial was, except with better resources and discipline. Uh, it resonated with the tissue of postmodern conspiracy in a way that the second season just didn't. So for Saeed, there was always a shadowy vaping man pulling unseen strings. <laughs> in the Bergdahl case, it was just a damaged soldier and the expected you know, deceptions of politicians. So that's why in the third season, I don't think it should have a set subject matter. Hmm. It should investigate a topic, but allow itself to be pulled into new secrets and mysteries as it progresses. So we should follow Ms. Koenig as she drifts through layers of disturbed sediment, right? Let's begin with something like the age of the Greenland shark, move through the Brownsville affair, and then taper off into the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> so that's my response. Right. Uh, it's not funny, but I await your reply. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my reply off air. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what the Illuminati wants you to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that you got your uh, vaping man reference, your... your... A nod to your own version of what the X-Files should be next season. I'm pretty certain that a schism in the uh, parallel universes has occurred and mm -hmm. that the vaping man um, for a certain segment of the population has been backfilled into the old X-Files. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the Berenstain, Berenstain Bears thing. Yeah. No, but I, I like yours. I like, I like highlighting the, uh, the method, and it's just uh, following somebody as they as they uh, hyperlink their way through a story. Mm -hmm. Well, and see, and that's what I thought um, Sarah and her team brought to it. Excuse me, as I belch into my snowball microphone. <laughs> um, you know, basically it was the same kind of groping for something, you know, tangible that anyone would do, but she had a little bit more, um, a little bit, oh, she had greater resources, great, you know, greater ability to, instead of just move, you know, do something else or go back to her work, this was her job. So, you know, she could actually get cronies to, to drive the distance from, you know, the school to, to a, you know, a body disposal site or, you know, go check out the phone at a Best Buy and that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, anything else or shall we move on? Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do yeah, this. let's keep this high and tight. If you know what I mean, Nathaniel. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're up next. Okay. So uh, something somewhat building on Jeremy, although I'm suggesting a kind of zoom down, but but switching the kinds of crime. So I think the next season of Serial should look at less serious, but also no less significant criminal acts. So actually picking something that doesn't appear to be serious, but can get serious rather quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see Mailchimp throw its money behind an investigation of why the microwave on the second floor break break room is always so dirty. <laughs> 
Strange sauces, unidentified proteins, and what appear to be sesame seeds must be sprayed and sometimes chipped out with alarming regularity. It ruins other people's meals, it hurts productivity and overall morale. So Koenig and crew could certainly weave a compelling serialized narrative out of office dynamics, power plays, dietary and cultural differences, microwave technology, and even workplace architecture. The lack of a compelling crime, but the nevertheless intense emotional attachment to workplace ethics will immediately hook people. Is it Terry, the manager, and her pricey health-conscious meals? Is it Frank and his poorly constructed burritos? Or maybe it's Juan's tacos, or is that racist to even suggest? Or, irony of ironies, is it the third janitor, who we all suspect is drunk at work and who steals leftovers? And then there's the mystery characters, your Asias and your, niche, your niches, as you will. The skinny accountant, who is nevertheless by the microwave all the time. And Phil, who begrudgingly, but sometimes joyfully, cleans the microwave. What's his deal? I can see Koenig really pouring herself into this, struggling perhaps with her own well-documented issues with food preparation. Am I too close to this story? I used the microwave in question to heat up some ramen noodles during a six-hour interview with Sean in receiving. How did I get here, eating this cold hot pocket? And that's it. I like it. I like it. So you, you end on a hot pocket. Yes. <laughs> hot pocket! When you want a good meal. Yeah, I like your, um, your you know, blue-collar man-on-the-street uh, feel to this. Yeah, yeah. You've gotten out of your ivory tower for once. Mm-hmm. Well, I white collar, not blue collar, but you know, still. Fair enough. Yeah. At least, at least you've got a collar on. By the way, I think I just, I think I just repitched the office. I, think I was thinking I, that. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm realizing that now as I say it out loud. I think that's just an episode of the office. <laughs> well, a season at least. Yeah, at least a yeah. season. Give yourself yeah. some. Yeah, it's more than one yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. And do, and do Frank and Terry finally get together? That that would be what seals the deal. <laughs> And then there's a couple of seasons after they do, but those aren't quite as good. No, not nearly. Yeah. All right, well, I thought it was an, a, an appropriate story, and it does sort of answer my, my question of, uh, realistically, wh- where do they go from here? Because they jumped from a very intimate focus to about as big as you can get. Right. Um, so now what do they do? I mean... So I, I like the idea they'd pick something very small and, and somewhat insignificant and see if they could get people to care about it. A great deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of George Costanza, we live in a society moment at some <laughs> point in this story. Yeah. Trying to live in a society. It's not about the microwave. <laughs> Let me ask you guys, at your places of employment, I mean, does this touch a nerve? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, and especially in academia, I mean, we, we wield our power with the most ridiculous things. Like, I'm not allowed to use the refrigerator in the, in the library because I am employed by the English department, even though my office is in the library. So it's a whole thing. Um, that's like how they have their power over me. I don't get to use the, the microwave or the fridge. Yeah. The, the, the microwave in the uh, computer lab I run that's mostly used by graduate students is mm-hmm. literally a portal to hell at this point. Yeah. Ours, I will say that ours um, does get periodically cleaned out, and there's always to my mind, a sort of lead up time of unnecessary emails about, you know, if you've got anything in there and I'm like, boy, if anything's still in there, it's a biohazard. (laughs) Right. And there is a kind of, you know, um, almost Shakespearean, no matter how cleaned out that thing gets, there's a patina of death around it all the time. I mean, (laughs) 
I've opened the door when it's been bleached out, and it's still oh. like you know, Lomaine is reaching out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, my this this season of Seer would be plugged into the zeitgeist in important ways. <laughs> At 120 volts. Mm-hmm. Heyo. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. So on that note, um, yep. why don't we uh, kick it over to Jackie to bring us home here? All right. Well, mine is mine is not funny at all. It's actually pretty serious. Um, so that's, no, I, that's the direction we try and go. Okay, yeah. okay, good. Not funny at all. No. So I I don't know if this is just me, but when I like something, I become obsessed with like placing it. Like, what does this remind me of? You know, it, it's just like a it's an obsession. And so I think what I like about Serial, the first season, it reminds me of what I like about um, a lot of John Krakauer's work. That sort of like just obsessive attention to, to detail that's somehow still entertaining. Like, like the first time I read, or the only time I read Under the Banner of Heaven, I mean, I think I just read it because I was hungover and it was on the coffee table. My roommate had left it there. And, you know, if you told me that, like, learning about the minutiae of, like, Mormonism, like, would entertain me, I'd have been like, shut up. I'm not going to like that. But, you know, I mean, they, they present these things and, and they're really entertaining. You actually listen. And so Krakauer's latest book was, um, you know, Missoula about the, you know, a string of rapes at uh, Montana State or University of Montana. I can't remember. Um, I don't remember the details, apparently. So anyway. So it really stuck with you. Yeah, it really stuck with me. It did. And, uh, <laughs> but no, I think like what's awesome about it and what I think Serial could do really well with it is he researches, you know, we all know that they're, they're campus rapes, right? They're horrible. They're horribly investigated. But he researches the whole thing, like what happens from, you know, beginning to end with prosecution, how, you know, how poorly the victims are treated, how they're failed, um, and really digs into there to the system to see, you know, how, how people are failed, like exactly like what happens, how it works. And I'd like to see Serial do that, like exactly that. Um, and I think, I mean, it's, sad that you know they, they'd have a lot of options if they wanted to dig into campus rate but i think what's happened at baylor recently would be would be a good bet um just the string of obviously not just the assaults themselves but the way that they've been covered up um to protect athletes obviously um and then of course with baylor you know the largest baptist university in the country you've also got the religious angle but really digging in there and figuring out what the what the fuck is going on here um and I think, it, you know, when these things happen, like what happened at Baylor, what's happened at Duke and Penn State and all these universities in the past, you know, they're in the news for a couple of days and we're all outraged and then they go away. And the format of Serial could really, I mean, obviously it could allow a really long conversation, which I think would be, would be great. Oh yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I think it relates to Jeremy's idea about focusing on the kind of the, I don't know, like the way Serial goes about things. Um, I don't know how to say that exactly, but, but again, really kind of digging into the details with something kind of over the long haul. Yeah, well, this is ordinarily where I'd put in a fart noise, but <laughs> for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem... Doesn't feel right, does it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like the bit about the serialized form is is keeping attention on the story for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, right, what's right. what's unique about what serial does Yeah. is it's not just it's the kind of attention, it's actually... Just the duration of it? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So are we doing mea culpas this time around? Well, if we are, Jackie, I think I'm going to have to uh, post-it note you in for the subtle bash against Mormonism halfway through. Yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mormons. There's no way they're listening. Tony. Fart noise. Oh, sorry. No last name. Yeah, we don't use last names. 
<laughs> Particularly if we're if we're outing people for their religious beliefs. Oh boy. Oh well. Jackie brought in a pinch hit. <laughs> Knocks it out of the park. Yep. Yep. But the problem is home run redacted. Oh boy. Boy, boy in five minutes when we're, when we're all raiding little Debbie snacks, this is gonna hit extra extra hard. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was good. It is an interesting topic, and you know what? Realistically, that's probably I would bet where they're going to have to go because I think they got, um, you know, not flack, I, I but I think they lost a lot of their listenership with their second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, I went back and I re-listened to the last several episodes because I, I wasn't sure I'd heard them all because it just sort of. Uh, trails off. It sort of just kind of spaces out. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't certain that it ever came to... Now, granted, it's never going to come to any sort of final resolution. I think that's its strength. But any sort of coherent statement of, here's what we've gained from this exploration. Right. And and I think they they shed some people. And I think they're going to have to go back to something that would really... Um, you know, not, not just the controversy of it, but a, a subject that, uh, in terms of journalism demands long format right right mm-hmm. and she she wasn't able to i mean all the all the interviews with him weren't hers right she was also working with other people's right material so it felt less personal which you know which was i think part of the draw too yeah that we were sort of going with her yeah. in this investigation process where you're right the second one she was relying on the interviews a guy made up for a documentary i believe mm. yeah 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 all right. Well, if there are no other comments, let's get let's open this this case of little Debbie's. How about? Yeah. <laughs> um, as uh, listeners know, sometimes between the speed the speed round and the t- or excuse me the two minute minute round and the speed round, um, we take a little break to refresh ourselves because we're spent. Um, and in honor of of Jackie's appearance, I thought uh, a way to sort of boost ourselves would be to talk a bit about little Debbie's. Um, those of you who don't know. What little Debbies are for shame on you. Uh, secondly, it's a series of snack cakes. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to describe. I guess you know something like Hostess would be a. Would that be a good analog? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know they they make all kinds of baked goods. Curiously, it's tough to find a comprehensive source that lists all of them. In part because some of them are seasonal. In part because some of them are regional. In part because some of them are made with reconstituted human parts. <laughs> All of them are delicious, and they give you the quick sugar energy you need to get through your day. Um, so, gang, uh, I, I'm i giving you the link here in Facebook. Okay. Uh, and what I wanted us to do was go ahead and just sort of take a spin through um, little Debbie land here. And try and determine what you think your three top little okay. Debbie snack treats are. Now, oh, look, but I have my list already. Well, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> why don't you start us off then? Because I, 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 I've got some contention at the third slot. Well, I got to check to make sure one of them is in fact a little Debbie. I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this off the top of your head, and then if you're wrong, we're going to shame you appropriately. Yes. Fair enough. Um, I go back and forth. Actually, my my commitment to little Debbie cakes itself <laughs> might be seasonal. So there are times when I find a particular little Debbie snack, I eat them compulsively. And then other parts of the year where I find that very same snack to be disgusting and the idea of eating it 
makes me nauseous. Um, so here they are, uh, zingers, oatmeal cream, oatmeal cream pies, and party cakes, or fancy cakes. A couple of uh, points of contention. I don't believe zingers are, no. they are no. a hostess product. Yeah. They are a okay. hostess product. Now, I okay. think there is a little That's Debbie correct. analog. Yeah. I believe those are maybe petites. Yeah. Is that, is that correct? Or just chocolate cupcakes. Well, those are going to be your um, your ho or your, your ho ho is that or your ding dong? Ding dong, yeah. Ding dong, yeah. Ding dong, yo. A Swiss roll is kind of is kind yeah. of zinger like. That now, see, be. that's fascinating you bring that up because the Swiss roll is kind of polarizing. I grew up loving those, and I still kind of do. Okay. But that that thin chocolate shell on the outside that gets a lot of flack. I think I like it because of that. It, it's it's okay. you know it, it's razor thin as if crafted by Hephaestus himself. And it doesn't even attach to the cake underneath. You can pull that off in sheets. Never mind. I just looked up what zingers are. I don't like zingers at all. Really? None of the flavors? No. Hmm. I like the, uh, I like the Diddle Debbie cakes, the, um, got oatmeal cream pies. I don't really have a second one, I guess. (laughs) I guess sometimes the, uh, the, the, uh, the pumpkin ones they put out. You have one, empty, and then three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, your your choice of fancy cakes, it's appropriate because you're a fancy man, but um, I actually like its, its, um, its, its dangerous cousin zebra cake. Zebra, ah, that's what I meant by zingers. Okay, yeah. Zebra cakes, that's what I meant. Okay, okay, okay. I'm updating my notes. Okay, so uh, I'm updated list. Zebra cakes, fancy cakes, oatmeal cream pies. You know, I, I agree with that list. Really, the only amendments I would make is, um, are you familiar with a Star Crunch? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not going to put the Star Crunch as the top, Mm-mm. but I think it will be in the top three. Uh, there's just something about that. Um, you know, it's almost like a Samoa, but it has a yeah. a, text, a texture that's, you know, it's, it's brittle on the outside, but has a... a very kind of chewy inside. Just thinking about it, I'm, I'm getting a half chub. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a, a, but according to my Walmart page, this item is not available near me. So oh, damn it. yeah, well, and seeing that's that's a, a, a common lament, and in fact, that's why if you go to Little Debbie's website, there actually is a geographical snack finder. That is true. It directs you to what it calls your next snack. Mm. Okay, so maybe. Maybe Star Crunch and Fancy Cakes are, are uh, could be swapped. I, I wonder if you're running into redundancy with both Fancy and Zebra. And zebra. I think you're right. And if I have to pick, it's Zebra, obviously, over Fancy. And the oatmeal cream pie, that is, that's in there, definitely. Yeah. You can't go wrong. It's a staple. It's the standard, yeah. Yeah. Especially the, the double-decker. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> Yeah. Now, what is that? Whoa, please, do tell. Oh, the double-decker cream pie. Yeah, it's in my vending machine. Uh, okay, and talk slow, please. please. <laughs> oh, <I'm> so- <laughs> oh buddy. Finished. No, it's it's two oatmeal cream pies stuck together with a layer of cream in between. And huh. um, it's just fantastic. <sighs> Difficult to find in grocery stores, unfortunately, but often in vending machines. Yeah, you got to get a little sketchy to find some. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because it almost seems like something that only appears on Etsy or Pinterest or something. <laughs> no, usually, usually roadside vending machines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Every rest stop you go by, pull over, they yeah. might have it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find you behind a, a right aid, just, you know, buying two separate ones and smashing them together. <laughs> Don't look at me. 
it's like it's like Sudafed. You can only buy so much before you can put on the list. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, doctor. Did you have any uh, any uh, other additions to make, Jackie? Because I consider you an expert in this. Oh area. yeah, this is this is definitely my field. Um, this is your wheelhouse. This is my wheelhouse. So yeah, this isn't difficult for me. Number one is going to be the oatmeal cream pie, obviously. Excellent um, choice. Number two is going to be the cosmic brownie. Clearly. Wow. Um, oh. And then number three is going to be the Valentine cake, uh, which is a lot like the zebra cake and the other yep. cakes that come out seasonally. For some reason, the heart creates a really good frosting to cake ratio. Just something about that shape. Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. She's serious, folks. Yeah. Even better than the trees, I would argue. Um, Gosh, I didn't even really consider how geometry would affect umami. <laughs> oh, it, it has a tremendous effect. Tremendous effect. Yeah. Because yeah. the problem, guys, with the tree shape mm-hmm. is that there are so many, so many folds there, you know, yeah. so you get to like the tip of the tree and you've got too much frosting and too little cake, mm. uh, but the heart is just perfect. Now, yeah. I'll tell you what little Debbies I hate that make me really angry. I do not like the Star Crunch one bit. That's mm. fascinating. Um, but I mainly, <laughs> I mainly hate Nutty Bars. I fucking, oh, I hate Nutty Bars. I think they're just mm. terrible. Um... And I guess that's all I have to say about them. They're just terrible. You know, I can kind of see some possible overlaps between those two, right? I mean, it's yeah. partially sort of a texture yeah. thing. Yeah, they're yeah. both crunchy. They're both so, crunchy. So, Jeremy, I don't want to take over whatever plans you have for this session. I'd like just to run through a list of these to see which ones Jackie has had. Oh, sure. And if she could give me a quick thumbs up or thumbs down on these. Oh, I'd be happy to do that. Be my guess. So, Red Velvet? Yes, that's fine. You're fine there. Uh, Petites? Yes, they're fine. Scrub, okay, uh, Swiss rolls. Yeah, totally fine. Although I I agree that the frosting on those is a little disturbing. I don't like that it flakes off, but yeah, but it's okay. Uh, you got to keep them at a, at a cold temperature. Yeah. Yes, sure. Little Debbie donut sticks. Yeah, all oh, those are great. Oh, those, those are, are fantastic. Yeah, Little Debbie white coral reef cakes. Those I have not had, which is embarrassing okay. for me. You only get those at the beach because uh, you know we're gonna have fun with it. Yes. <laughs> Devil creams. Perfectly fine. Pecan spin wheels. Nope. Nope. Don't even bother. No. Okay. No. They're, uh, and the problem with those is that the dough is so thin mm-hmm. that it gets a lot of air and they dry out too quickly. Nice. Yeah. Man. That is a thorough answer. Yeah. Uh, frosted fudge cakes. Fine. Fine. Uh, marshmallow puffs cookies. Great. Uh, red velvet cake. You mentioned those yep. already. Those are fine. Have you had uh, Little Debbie's line of blueberry muffins? <sighs> Okay. And would, so, and would those count here? Yeah, I know. At that point, you got to examine your yeah. life. Yeah. The, now those. Well, we're really getting into my marriage here at this point because my husband loves those. Ah. Uh, and uh, and I just don't. I don't agree. It's very upsetting. And um, this is not a scab we want to pick. Yeah. No. Let's yeah. let's move on from that. Let's move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the little Debbie chocolate pie. Fine. Oh, Fine. oh God. Oh no! It's it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, where was I? Where was I? You were at Devil Squares. Devil Squares. Those are fun. Yes. Uh, banana pudding rolls. Nope. Now, well, I wanted to stop at the banana pudding rolls because when you skew into their banana themed <laughs> treats, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. are in it. You have gone off the map, yep. sir. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a quick question, and this will resolve something that's in my marriage. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the pumpkins one, the pumpkin ones they do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably in the mini- the minority here. 
and this is maybe the only way I am. Um, I do not <laughs> like um, pumpkin flavored items. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, like the like the you know, of course, the PSL being the sure. standard. Now, now, I also don't drink coffee, but um, I, I enjoy some pumpkin things mm-hmm. itself, pumpkin bread, that kind of you know. Mm-hmm. But like you know, pumpkin flavored cereals, pumpkin baked goods. Hmm. Now, I just don't see the point. And part of yeah. me, it's also there's something about it that it's there's like a pretense to being healthy there. Mm that I don't want to be reminded of sure. when I've got frosting in the corners of my mouth, right? I, mm-hmm. I know what choices I'm making here, mm-hmm. little Debbie. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to turn on me, too. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. My wife hoards them because they're yeah. seasonal. Okay. Sure. So maybe it's just that they're creating artificial scarcity like Disney does with those videotapes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Jody's like, they're going to put them back in the vault. Comfortable using your wife's. I won't use her last name. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, clearly then this is all anonymous. Yeah. Uh, it, Jackie, is there a Little Debbie Cakes vault that you know of? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, the okay. seasonal seasonal issues that we've mentioned earlier, um, and of course that you know you find something special like that double decker oatmeal cream pie, and that's you know heartbreaking that you can't find it everywhere. But I'm not aware of a vault. And that and that, as near as I can tell, is not listed online. No, that's, um, that's, there might be a separate truck stop list somewhere. <laughs> the truck stop list. When you're, when you're working a long haul, you need to do certain things to make it. <laughs> that's right. Boy, can you imagine what their research kitchen is like? <laughs> it's like Arby's and Kentucky Fried Chicken are having a fight. <laughs> and that's where Little Debbie snacks come from. <laughs> and that's how you make Little Debbie. Yeah. Uh. All right, well, um, we're probably going to have to move on because, like little Debbie, I mean, we could stay on this topic forever and never exhaust it. Um, So let's go ahead and move to the speed round. Speed round. Uh, Breaking news. Um, I'm going to alter our format a little bit because I have got an emergency uh, speed round topic that I, I need to deal with here. Um, I will add a uh, a siren sound effect um, at this point. Fart noise. Uh, so uh, he, he, let me give you a little context. My dental hygienist mentioned Hitler while I was in the chair. Oh. This is true. Huh. This is not a bit. And this just happened. That's why this is an emergency. Okay. Um, so as you would probably expect from someone who hosts a podcast, I'm not really all that chatty. <laughs> And so, you know, when I'm in these kinds of situations, I don't like to make small talk. You know, when I'm at the barber, it's their job to cut my hair. It's my job to stare forward and occasionally touch my wallet inside my pocket because I have this weird phobia that I'm going to get a haircut and not be able to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and, common. And I, I, well, well, we'll circle back. Um, but, you know, that's also true at the dentist. Although I've always felt that's the one place where you have an excuse, right? I mean, how are you supposed to reply while their sure. fingers are, you know, right. in, your, in your gum line? So I'm in the chair. I'm, I'm, I'm prone or whatever. And um, I, I think she maybe just sort of felt some pressure to, you know, to, to, to chat. And she's probably had the same conversations a thousand times. I mean, you know, if you think about it. And she asked me, you know, kind of apropos of nothing, hey, do you ever watch TED Talks? And, you know, I said, oh, oh, oh. 
And, you know, it's a weird question. So I yeah. gave a, a weird reply after, you know, my mouth was free. And I said, no, not so much anymore. Now, now that's a stupid answer just right off the bat. Because what, is that, what does that mean? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I was really into him. And then I tapered off. I mean, there is a real answer to that question. You know, something like occasionally if there's an interesting one or something like that. But, you know, I was just trying to get through this as, as I do with every uh, human interaction. And, and so she said, um, oh, yeah, I was watching this interesting one about um, genetics and how they can change genes. And I said, oh, you know, do you mean CRISPR? And so we, we chatted a little bit about that, you know, because I'm a fucking know-it-all. <laughs> and, um, and she said, yeah, you know, they're able to change the genes in mosquitoes and they could make them sterile and make their eyes red. And, you know, sure enough, they made all these mosquitoes with red eyes. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And, you know, she's working on my teeth. And, you know, there was a, a pause. And then she said, boy, where were those, um, where were they in Hitler times? Then everybody's eyes could be blue and everyone could have blonde hair. Oh, shit. That, that's what happened. Oh. And understandably, I think I was stunned into silence. I mean, the mood definitely changed in there. Um, you know, even for a guy with a fist in his mouth, I was noticeably quiet. So I guess my speed round prompt is, am I good? Should I have done something else? <laughs> well, oh boy. I mean, I guess you could have helped her unpack it a little bit. Like, did, does she mean what we think she means? Right. Also, did she use the expression Hitler times? She did indeed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty much verbatim in that, Hitler time. That was actually the primary reason for my gasp. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, so your suggestion is we, we should have taken this opportunity to pull the tools out of my mouth and start asking about the social ramifications. Uh, I think there's only one way. Yeah, did, did she basically mean like Hitler was bad, but maybe he would have killed fewer people if he could have just changed them? Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, again, because I'm a fucking know-it-all, my first impulse, I, I mean, I'm ashamed to admit this perhaps, but was to immediately say, oh, yeah, you mean eugenics. We did do that. Uh, we did that in this country. And in fact, there were a lot of experiments that they tried during the Nazi regime to try and alter eye color with a lot of unwilling subjects. But, you know, I've learned through bitter experience, mm -hmm. bitter, bitter experience, that most of my conversational impulses are wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I did that moment of check. Is what you're about to say something that could have been shouted by Mussolini? <laughs> and in this case, I said, oh, oh, you know what? Why don't you just keep quiet? Why don't you just keep quiet? Yeah. You don't want to counter fascism with more fascism. Jackie, you, you feel this one. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess that's a time for me when I would just keep asking questions, you know, just lots and lots of questions until they admit, like, the worst thing that they're going to say and then stare at them horribly. How did it, how did it end? I mean, did you? Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, that's. This was not at the end of the oh boy of the oh, treatment. God. I still had to sit there and listen to her list flavors for fluoride. Oh, I mean, shit. well after this, you know. Oh boy, we've got grape, we've got strawberry, we've got vanilla, and then she ranted about fluorid fluoridation in the water and how it was stealing our essence. <laughs> yeah, barking at me to make a, a fluoride choice. Mackenzie yeah. choice, Schnell, Schnell, <laughs> Nick Mazandas. Oh, fluoride marked fry. That's rough because you can't circle back. I mean, after you've chosen a fluoride choice, you can't go back and be like, well, what did you mean with that Hitler yeah. comment? I mean, that right. can't. It's the well-known fluoride threshold. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. 
this was you, you know what this was this was my own personal fucking marathon man mm-hmm. could oh. you did now this was the hygienist did the dentist come in and do the little final check yes could you brought it up then as a kind of personnel issue <laughs> well yeah i suppose i could have i don't know how i could have approached that subject but yeah anywho hmm. i mean I, I think you're a good person yeah if that's if that's the question we're really getting at yeah, yeah. I, I guess all I wanted was for someone to tell me it's okay to be craven. Mm-hmm. And hopefully she just just blundered down. I think know, that's that's my instinct. A stupid conversational pathway and didn't know how to back out. Right, mm-hmm. right. Which I do that like every day. You just yeah. fortunately yeah. not about anything like this. It's usually about yeah. little debbies, so I don't right, really right. Anybody. Fortunately, <laughs> most of them do not involve the Holocaust. Sure. <laughs> that's true. I think what she was probably trying to do is say something like, that sounds like eugenics. But she didn't know the word, and so she just said, oh, Hitler times. Yeah. Well, so that eases us right into our second prompt for our speed round. Uh, Speaking of fascism, what are some unexpected Brexit consequences? What do you guys think about this? We all know what Brexit is, the uh, vote to uh, remove the U.K., from the uh, European Union, uh, endorsed by none other than Julian Fellows, the writer of um, Downton Abbey, among many other period pieces. Surprise, surprise. That that Tory scumbag. (laughs) What are some unexpected Brexit consequences? Well, I think think one way or another, we're going to wind up with a bunch of... uh, Somebody's going to latch on to some slogan... And it's going to be on fucking everything, okay? Like, we're going to have, like, you know, the mugs and the t-shirts. We're going to have the new Keep Calm and Carry On here oh, in, like, 30 yeah. years. Um, and it's That's interesting, because I thought maybe you were implying that things like Texit are going to be springing up, <laughs> well, which is, you yeah, know what that, that is. That too, mm-hmm. that too. Um, but no, I just feel like there's going to be some new slogan that no one will know where it comes from, and suddenly it'll be on bookmarks, mm-hmm. you know? And because we're in English departments, we're going to see them everywhere? Everywhere. Everywhere. Hey, Nathaniel, boy, I wonder if Gerald would have any insight on this. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, this isn't Gerald. This is the Queen. I have, uh, bre- I have Brexit tattooed on my lower back now. Um, thank you for, uh, uh, for coming to speak with us, uh, Philip, Your Highness. Philip loves it. Philip loves it very much. <laughs> As he sees it quite frequently. Mm, I'm cheeky. Yeah, that's the queen, all right. I think it's what I think it's what you call in the colonies a tramp stamp. Yep. <laughs> okay, toodaloo. Gross. Uh, Your Majesty uh, Queen Elizabeth, ladies and gentlemen, uh, returning on our show for the third time. Can we can we sit back down as she left? Uh, Nathaniel took a knee for you visitors uh, at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some other potential Brexit consequences? Well, it's going to play havoc with fish and chips, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about, I think, the, the Julian Fellows. What sort of spin-off American television shows will we get in the Brexit era? How, how, how will British shows made now translate into American programs if they are Brexit-themed or adjacent we're all going to be watching the hilarious PBS comedy uh, Get Your Gob Out of My Country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. You take that lift straight to hell? 
and other things that are British words that we say differently. <laughs> a thoroughly polite refugee crisis. <laughs> there it is. I think we should just move on. Yeah. Um, so anywho, the uh, uh, third and final um, uh, speed round prompt for us this time is, what's the name of Diane Keaton's next <laughs> romantic comedy? Boy, it seems like there's an outlier in all this. Um, what's the name of Diane Keaton's next romantic comedy? Huh. Splat. <laughs> Give me a, synops- a synopsis of that. I, uh, we were, I was not asked for a synopsis. I'm just the name guy. I think she. I think she runs a. She's a a, a widow who runs a water park. Yeah. And there's I like a, it. And there's a new uh, lifeguard who's me. You know, at forty-ish. You know, a younger man, but not a but not a young man. Yeah. Who comes into town and she she she's uh, running in the, by the pool, which she should know better, and she she goes she falls down, she goes splat, if you will. And he rescues her, and, and then it, it goes from there. I like that. Let's do some punch-up. What do you think about this as a gender-swapped sequel to Splash? No. <laughs> Just no. 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 Okay. So he's the mermaid? Um, okay, okay, I'm with you. She's, she run, she's running like a SeaWorld kind of thing. Uh-huh, sure. And then they find him as a mermaid, but it is still called Splat. They find him as a sea creature. But then when he dries off, he turns into a man. He splats her. No one <laughs> believes her that he's actually a dude. <clears throat> it's a real fish right back into water story. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you've got a, uh, uh, a line on something here. Um, what about a uh, similar, similar, so this is maybe a different movie, maybe it's the same. I don't know. Jake Gyllenhaal is attached. Um, Uh She plays an environmental activist who falls for a a younger lumberjack who's also an amateur taxidermist. It's called Stuffed Cougar. (laughs) Oh, boy. I think it'll play in Peoria. I don't... That that does not sound like a romantic comedy. That sounds like something that comes on late on Skinamax after Desert Passions 2. Well, you have to realize that I have an unusual definition of both romance and comedy. And for you, that sex is the thing that connects both of them. Well, that in tears, yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> First is intercourse, then is farce. Uh, growing up near Peoria, I can tell you, I think that actually would play in Peoria. I think that'll, think so. that'll do just fine. Yeah. Jack, you have any thoughts on this? Oh, man. I don't know. I recently watched The Intern. I guess I'd like to see a Diane Keaton version of that where she's interning it. it I don't know something i like the i like the taxidermy plant are they plants they're probably not plants i don't think there are that many taxidermy things going on at once but something like that i would assume that this guy is going to be handcrafted artisanal if you know okay. what i mean sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sure so so she would be an a a uh, sort of a, a an old dog learning new tricks intern at a tech yeah, exactly. firm yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. so what's the romantic interest well she's got a i don't know she's got to learn it from the pro taxidermist so, so we've combined, so she's interning at a taxidermy yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I'm sorry. Like. I'm sorry, I thought she was at a Google-style thing. I didn't realize. <laughs> this has all become one monstrous film. Yeah, yeah. and there's a mermaid. And the, ta- and the taxidermist is a merman. Yes, the taxidermist. It'll play in Peoria. Obviously. 
Or, or, uh-uh, it's a love triangle. Ah. She's in love with the taxidermist, but she's also in love with the merman, who the taxidermist is trying to capture so that he can stuff him. Now we've got Perfect. lightning in a bottle. Perfect. Yes. Okay, now what's the title for that movie? Oh, boy. Curse Splat? <laughs> Sploosh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sploosh. Yeah, I like that. Because there'd be a great scene where she brings her merman, who's on land and so dried out, into the taxidermy place, and we get a, a perspective shot of him looking at a big fish up over the wall with the scales, and he, start, he has a panic attack in a, in a comedic sort of way. Let me uh, carry this into um, some fertile new ground. What about, what about if we follow her swinging single life as a pharmaceutical representative for a company that's made a pill uh, for ladies to turn the faucet back on. <laughs> the film is called Menno Resume, and that's Z-O-O-O-O-M. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. We, we, I used context clues to figure out what you were talking about. Yeah, well, that is the full title. It ends with, do you get what I mean? <laughs> Someone actually uh, elbows you in the ribs every, every time you hear it's, that. Is that the tagline? No, it's actually part of the title. <laughs> um, well, any other thoughts about rom-coms starring the first lady of the American cinema, Diane Keaton? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess only, I, I guess the, the last one, I guess, uh, Little Debbie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to see this on the silver screen. Yeah. And she, she plays Little Debbie? That's an interesting question. Maybe she has to take care of... Her daughter's kid, who they're estranged, and she passes away, and she has to raise her grandchild or something. Yep, yep, little Debbie. She gets help from the hunky retiree in her building. Well, she goes on some sort of, I don't know, cross-country road trip looking for a little Debbie that doesn't exist anymore. Ooh. And then she ah. finds it. She finds it ah. in the truck stop. And, then... and she ends up double-stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> No, could this be the daughter, it, the movie is not about her granddaughter, but her daughter, who is estranged, but she wants her to take over the company. So she's got to renew her interest in, you know, make little Debbie new again. Mm-hmm. And so they go, they go to find the double stuffed The elusive double stuffed oatmeal. That will be like this kind of, you know, thing that, that gets her jazzed about little Debbie cakes again. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe the movie's just called double stuffed because yeah. it's about two, two women together. <laughs> in the Thanos universe. <laughs> Every every film that has women in it has to has to be named stuffed something. No, or or double. It could be double something. Well, there you go, Hollywood. We've done your work for you. <laughs> Why don't we move on to the vote? Uh, then we have to uh, shower twice. I think. <laughs> oh boy. So I got uh, to so, send a text message to someone to stop off and pick up some zebra cakes. <laughs> So, uh, let's see, there's only three of us, so you can just vote for whomever you want. None of this matters. Um, let's see, I'm going first. Wait, what are we voting on? I'm sorry, I missed that part. The, the winner. Oh, the of, winner. Uh, of this. That's, oh, a, okay. that's a surprisingly sophisticated question, because we, really, <laughs> we don't really know the answer. We've never actually been, we've never asked ourselves that question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't exactly know what it means. Okay. Uh, I guess it just means whoever won, yeah, the episode. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Jackie. I think you provided um, some insight 
some deep insight into the Little Debbie segment, which for me was informative. So I think I'm going to go with newcomer Jackie. Good. I'm glad I could help with that. As am I. I thought her encyclopedic knowledge, what really tipped it for me was the comment about the the, um, cinnamon rolls and that the thinness of the batter results in them drying out too quickly. That that kind of precision <laughs> as, as, is uh, unheard of in Agony Cast. So I think for that reason and many others, that's just the one I would point to as the yeah. Exhibit A. I, I vote for Jackie as well. Yeah, I guess it's still a little bit unheard of because those are actually pecan rolls, but that, that's all right. Um, Jackie, I guess since you've got two votes, um, go ahead and uh, tell us uh, what our two-minute win-it topic will be for next episode. All right. Well, I am really into this question of what show or what movie, excuse me, deserves a, a sequel. I think that's something I'd really like to hear about. And so I think that should be next time. Okay. So next time our topic will be explain what movie most needs a sequel and mm-hmm. why. Uh, until then, we don't have a good way to end these. Uh, so hopefully <laughs> the theme song will cut in at some point. All right. All right.